Welcome to Sonic Talk number 352. I foolishly said 251 last week. I lost 100 somewhere along the way, but uh, <laughs> don't worry, we're back now. We've jumped back on numbers. Uh, so thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. I'm trying a new thing. So if you joined us this week from the uh, uh, the front page player, I've, what I've done now is I've added a little thing so that while we're broadcasting this, the player will appear on the Sonic State homepage in the... Uh, in the sort of crass, completely commercially driven attempt to increase the number of live viewers, just because it's uh, just fancy seeing if I can break the streaming server as well while I'm at it. But anyway, welcome everybody. I want to say also thank you very much to Isotope, sponsors of this week's show. Uh, there'll be a message from them later, but don't forget you can get demos of all of their stuff pretty much uh, just by going to the site, 10-day fully working demos. Well worth a try and they've got a lot of good stuff to try out. We'll be telling you a bit more about something specific later. But now we're going to go to our live viewers. I think we'll come to Mr... Uh, Mr. Richard Hilton. I haven't seen him for a little while. Rich Hilton there in sunny Connecticut. Rich Hilton, of course, is a keyboard player for Chic. Every single festival poster I see or advert for festival Chic are playing at in the whole wide world, basically, coming up. And you are going to be a very busy guy. Also, studio guy for Noel Rogers as well. So, lots of travel for you coming up then, Rich. Yep, looks that way. <laughs> Still, excited. I, th I imagine now the thing is, is you're playing these sort of higher quality festivals. You're getting a better class of rider, uh, more luxurious limousine type, type travel, five star hotels, all of that stuff. Say it so. We're always treated very well. <laughs> Excellently put there, Rich. Thank you. And, and so has the st is there time to work in the studio these days, or is it all about um, getting gigs there's going? There's a lot of, not only is there time, there's fairly constant time. There's a lot of studio work going on right now. Right, well, that's great. I mean, busy, busy, yeah. busy. Always good to be busy, yes. particularly in this day. Yes, very busy and enjoying it very much. Super. Well, thank you very much, Rich, for joining us. Um, I've been, I had the, most of the day off because uh, my child's teachers are on strike today. I'm not sure what it's about, but I'm sure it's worthy and I fully support them. It's been quite nice to have them home. So anyway, but that, now they're gone and I can swear. Not that I intend to. <laughs> and not that it usually stops me, frankly, but hey, I'm going to do it anyway. Right, I'm going to go to Mr. Robbie Bronneman over there, Robot Studios, where he's uh, crafting soundtracks, pop classics, synthesizer, analog business, I mean, I don't, songwriting, I don't know what you don't do there, really. Probably don't do, um, so, let me see. Juggling. Windows startup sounds. That's what we want. The, that's what we'd like, isn't it? I've never, I've never had a Windows computer. I don't even know how to turn one on. Now, that sounds like the perfect, the perfect um, credentials for actually creating the next Windows startup chord. Imagine <laughs> getting the royalties for that, eh? Whoa. Yeah, the <laughs> irony of it. <laughs> It'd be perfect. If anyone's listening, um, I'll take 10%. <laughs> I'm sure it's a buyout these days. Anyway, Thank Robbie. Get in place. Yeah, how have, you, how have you been, Robbie? You well? Very good, thanks, yeah. I've, been, I've, been, I've had to go to the doctors this week because I've got a bit of eye strain. I think it's too many hours sitting in front of these screens. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Gosh, that doesn't sound too nice. How does that manifest itself? Is it blurry or just pain? Well, kind of my two screens become four screens. I, I, yeah, I can totally, I can totally understand. So you're going cross-eyed. 
<laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. And lusting after something like that, that Stephen Slate Raven thing, just for blowing up plugins to giant size. Yeah, I, I'm with you. My eyesight's gone a bit this week as well. I'm, so I'm having to kind of, I'm just hitting the screen zoom plus on everything. Like, oh yeah, I see it in the back again. Just <laughs> want to get some get some presets for that, Robbie. That'll sort you out. Then it'll be massive. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for joining us. Uh, Robbie, of course, uh, Sushi Friday Music um, on Facebook. That's uh, facebook.com forward slash Sushi Friday Music. I know Jan Van Eaton in the chat room has been gagging for a link. I don't know if he's uh, there. Uh, oh, yes, there we go. Okay, Sushi Friday Music. Thanks. Finally got that, John Van Eaton. Uh, a long-time listener. And um, there we'll go to... Uh, who are, oh, yes, Gaz Williams. Gaz Williams over there in Bristol, music technologist, professional bass player, and soon-to-be owner of uh, Electron. <laughs> uh, I can't wait. I'm very excited about that. It's, I, um, well, and I'm really I'm looking forward to sort of syncing it with the OP1 as well. Actually, uh, there's a, uh, they work really well together. I don't know if that's some sort of Swedish pact that they've got going on, but um, the uh, that you can control the the tape of the op1 the uh the, the, right. the tape i got my op1 here there's like the tape thing there and uh it'll uh the uh the analog keys will actually you know you can forward and you know it it, it the sequencer will work it, in sync i, I believe it's it, so. called the roll mop protocol here it is <laughs> it's gonna be mine yeah well, i'll tell you what i haven't used up all that new synth smell it's still very smelly that box oh good um but uh, I was just mentioning that OP1 has just had an update yeah. today. And Yesterday. that's quite exciting. It's quite exciting because partly because uh, this is a product which is about, what, three years old now? And it is continuing to have these free updates which um, keep bringing new and exciting uh, stuff into it. Like, for instance, now the new OP1 update includes... Uh, like a synthesizer called the Desynth, which I've got here. Um, which uh, right, ah, they've uh, changed the interface because I, I, the only video I could find about that was a beta that was uh, was posted. So, oh, can you hear this? It's quite nice. It's much better than I was expecting. Uh, it's kind of the most traditional synth on the OP1 because all the synth engines on there are pretty bonkers, really. But, but. It's still pretty bonkers as well as being fairly normal, so that's cool. And the uh, Etch-A-Sketch, uh, which I'll try and demonstrate there. I don't know. Ooh, it's probably a little bit yeah, hard to it do. Is, it's going to be, yeah, so you're doing it backwards. Oh, no, that's the volume knob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what am I doing? Wrong control. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <clears throat> oh, I don't know. But, uh, oh, no, no. Yeah. Here. And then see, you I just draw, like, no. etch a Oh, I can't yeah, do it. Yeah, no, can't just, do it. just forget. Nice try. It's worth, <laughs> worth a try, Gaz. But yeah. I'm, I'm feeling but, I'm feeling slightly jealous about the owner because I'm starting. To think, you know, I, I think what's really impressive about that is the fact that they're still bringing out OS updates and stuff. You know, and I'm yeah. looking back. I link back to my review of the OP1, and it was in 2009. So you know, mm. good good on them. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and I think it's when you look at the um, updates over time. It's added an enormous a lot, you know, enormous since your review. And I think some of the some of the things that you mentioned in the review have been. Yeah, uh, uh, no, I think they have. Yeah, well, I should think There's, so in five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, There's still some operational um, quirks though, which I'd have liked to have seen 
being sorted. Uh, not many, but just a few. But uh, they seem to—they don't seem to tackle anything which fundamentally adjusts that. Hmm. They just seem to add new stuff. So, which is pretty cool. Um, well, I'm, yeah, the, I'm happy for you. I must say. But, uh, <laughs> the other, the other thing I just briefly wanted to say: I've virtually finished the new opening credits and theme tune for Sonic Touch. So ah. I'm quite excited about. Well. Provided it passes the editor, editors, you will, you will be you're you're, you're fast going to dance. become the Dennis Waterman style character of Sonic Touch, who's written the theme tune, starred in it, and re- <laughs> everything else. <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a very UK centric joke. That, but <clears throat> well, I could be so good for you. So that's um... <laughs> nice. <laughs> and there we go. Dave Spears there in uh, G4 Software Land, where he's. Uh, hoarding synths like like a kind of aladdin's cave of synthesizer ebenezer spears is right there that's not 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 stingy but hoardy you know in a kind of positive way i've got loads out alone in a minute it's like who's got this who's got that have you and somebody's just sent me a link to a 1967 ra mode modular which was owned by the monkeys and also bobby sherman and I was just looking at the pictures in the back of it, and one of the modules, it's a 911A, says, represented by Paul Beaver. That's Is that the UK Beaver one? And, Beaver and Krauss. Uh, no, it's, this is an email me with your offer. So, what do you reckon? 20 quid? 30 quid? Yeah, no, start at 10. Okay. <laughs> and think the exchange rate. You can always say, well, look, the exchange rate is so fluctuating, you know. Lovely. That, I, I did see some, somewhere also that, um, as well as there's, the, there's, we mentioned it last week, the Club of Knobs guy who's making full-size replicas. There's also, I've seen some little Eurorack mini versions, uh, and it sort of went by on a Facebook stream somewhere, which looked really interesting. Yeah, uh, I was keen, that. yeah I, I'm liking the look of that. You'd go for that, would you, Robbie? Even though... Um, no, they're black, I'm sorry. You'd have to strip them out. <laughs> yeah, there was already talk, though. Funnily enough, there were people saying... I'll just give it a couple of months and the guys at Grayscale will have made panels for them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I've got something here. This just arrived just before the show as well. You want? It's bloody heavy. Oh. <laughs> but it is the uh, MS20 kit. Oh, wow. So uh, oh. And I said to them rather cunningly, they said, oh, do you want... Do you want to review it? And I said, oh, well, I don't see how I can, because obviously if I built it, I won't be able to fit it back in the box, so I can't ship it back to you. And they went, no, it's all right. You'll be fine. Then I was, you know, I, so, uh, so I will be able to deconstruct it, presumably, and send it back. So I think what we're, I mean, I'm not sure I'm going to review the MS-20 again, because I've done the MS-20 Mini, but I'll build it and do a sort of time-lapse thing of it. And uh, so I expect to see yeah, that sometime. Sorry? You've got your own one, haven't you? I have, an original, yep. Yeah, so it's got that new foot two filter mode hasn't it on this on that one apparently so what was the, does anyone know what the difference is between the two filters mm, they sound different <laughs> <laughs> one's an ms19 and the other's an ms20 yeah mm-hmm. it's a shame though that that's on a little dip switch on the inside oh i'm sure not that, I, on the spare of the moment go oh, i just had to dismantle it and change the filter i'm sure there's a way i mean it's you know it's bound to be isn't there Anyway, should we get on with a bit of um, uh, let's get on with a bit of show stuff? So um, I'm going to start now. Here's a video. This is uh, 
Cook Oo, as he calls himself. It's, he pronounces it in a very unusual way. I think he's Norwegian. I've been trying to figure out his accent for ages, and I think it's Norwegian. He's got a. He sounds almost Australian. So this was him and Dataline, who's Chenk, who's the guy who does all the electron videos. Uh, they sort of get together, and they were just doing these random jams, and uh, that's what uh, Cuckoo puts on his website it, via his Patron channel. He puts a lot of, uh, sort of electron jams and just writes songs on the fly, although I'm sure there must be some prep. But this was a series, I think there's eight of these. And uh, what the only reason I put them up here, put this up in, in there, wasn't really to kind of show um, that there's another man with who's as bald, if not bolder than I, um, playing synthesizer. You can see Jenk's head down there as he's... Um, whatever it is it's to do with really well the idea of jamming because i recall um this used to be a staple sort of occupation of mine when i used to have a synthesizer or whatever i'd go in you know I'd be with a bunch of mates and we might get a bit high or whatever and just jam for ages and ages and ages and it seemed to me that perhaps that whole process seems to have been suppressed shall we say with the advent of this ability to kind of run everything yourself in your own electronic studio and what have you and i wonder whether or not it was just me whether i was being cynical or whether i haven't got any friends who are jammed with or whether there's an issue with confidence because obviously you know exposing your musicality to people like that does take a bit a certain amount of trust as well and i just thought you know well i think especially if you're as um unable to do it as i am dave do you get people and jam in at your studio or do you just keep it all for yourself it's just for me. Stay away. <laughs> no, uh, that's complete lie. Uh, we do it a lot, a lot, and it's really good fun. And it's one of the great things I think about step sequences is that as long as it, as long as you've got everything synced up, you can have somebody on one and somebody on another, and you will get these kind of really cool, happy accidents. And then what we also do is we will have some grooves set up on the computer and some instruments, say within Logic that we can quite easily select and scroll to. And I love the fact that, because you can kind of segue from, let's say we go from the modular, the dot com to the 2600, and then to the little um, eight voice sequences, just beautiful. And then, you know, in between each of those kind of noodles, we'll uh, muck about with something virtual or, you know, say Omnisphere or something of ours or something like that. And it's just brilliant, brilliant fun. In fact, that's why I really miss the mixing desk, a physical mixing desk, because makes that process that also comes a part of it. Yeah, exactly. You know, if somebody's too loud, you can turn them off. <laughs> no, <laughs> if uh, you can, it just all becomes really seamless, and I love it. I love it. One day we're going to video it um, and put it up because I like also the fact that it only exists for that moment in time and then it's gone. So yeah, the idea of recording it and being able to replay it and go. Actually, that might form the basis of something. Or um, when you do that, also uh, in the cold light of day, that all of it was rubbish. That's what I used to find when I was a teenager and I'd perhaps, um, you know, <laughs> been a bit tired and emotional, shall we say? I'm not sure. I don't that know. It kind of depends on what you've smoked, really, on that night. <laughs> I suppose so. I tend to think that, yeah, if you go back to something like that the following morning, you'll go, oh, God, what was I thinking? Yeah, I, my imagination was running wild. Rich, I'm guessing that, you know, I mean, you're... Uh, a very accomplished keyboard player so i'm guessing this holds no fear for you so <laughs> does it happen much in your life i mean is it something that you try and make space for i mean or do you you know how does how does it work it happens sometimes okay that's how it works um 
there are times where it's happening more often than not. Right now, it's not happening that much because I'm really busy with recording studio and DAW type behaviors and engineering stuff. But uh, certainly, in the last two years of touring, you know, at you know, every sound check is some kind of a jam. Ah, I've come um, But ultimately, um, the kind of jamming you're talking about involving synthesizers. I don't get to do nearly enough. Do you think that that's been something that's kind of, like I say, it's been suppressed with the, the technology has enabled an awful lot of people to do a lot of things on their own, and maybe that's a sort of a byproduct, an, an unfortunate byproduct, possibly. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 absolutely. What was once a very social business became a very isolated business. I think now it's reverting back the other way. For a lot of reasons, including the infusion of DJs into the creative process and the live spaces in which they generally play. But um, a lot of things are involving that. And also the uh, prevalence over the last 10 years of the jam band thing and how much more popular that's become. Oh, what, the uh, PlayStation game kind of thing? No, 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 no. Jam bands like uh, postmodern Grateful Dead worshipping type songwriting guys who fluctuate who come out of the more acoustical side of the rock history and now have gained a foothold i mean there's lots of it here anyway right okay i see what you mean it's like the, the idea of a, a free more free form but not jazz well song forms but you know long guitar solos long j- band jams um right. there's a bunch of these bands there's a lot of it and what it's shown me is that young people have rekindled their interest in playing together in garages and basements, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it is. I guess one of the problems with any form, as soon as you introduce clock into the whole kind of thing, then it's harder to jam because you've got this massive technical problem to solve before you even get going and decide the tempo. It's much harder to be spontaneous, I suppose, in many ways. Well, Steve Winwood once famously said to me um, that... Oh no, it's frozen. <laughs> what, the chance, what, a, what did he say? What, what, did he what say? a fantastic tease that is, Rich. Uh, we'll have to wait for you to come back for, oh, okay. for, the, for us to. Rich, we're reconnecting with Rich and we'll have that, but we will come back. Robbie, I'm guessing, is the Sushi Friday pro- music project partly trying to kind of do some of that? Or? Yeah. yeah, definitely, because, you know, we've talked about this before about, you know, the whole thing of when you sit in front of your computer in the studio particularly, you just become like doing your accounts. And I mean, I, I got to a stage where I was starting to input, input all my musical parts on the flipping grid in Logic, you know, and you just think, why am I doing that? I can just play it on the keyboard. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just get to that, that stage where you just don't even touch a keyboard. Mm. Um, so, yeah, no, the, the Sushi Friday thing for us is all about just having fun with instruments and playing off each other and see what happens, you know. Otherwise, you just lose all, you know, everything's so considered and kind of deliberated over, isn't it? And you don't ever get those happy accidents, really, unless they're, you do that. They're harder to come by, I agree, yeah. The other thing, I'm, I'm, I'm reveling in the idea of, of Dave having Dave, uh, having synth jam dinner parties. It's what it sounds like to me. So, oh, yeah, we have to have some friends over. That yeah, sounds, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Sounds, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> we will, we will do it. Parties. We will do it. I've got, uh, I've got three, three or four guys from Novation coming over in a couple of weeks. Oh. Uh, that would just be like one big jam fest. And they're all, you know, pretty accomplished players. And 
and noodlers. So, yeah, good laugh. But, I mean, I remember, it's funny, when I saw this topic, I was like, you know, we deliberately made a decision to buy gear that allows us to do that, you know, a couple of years ago, because exactly like Robbie says, sometimes you just feel like a kind of data entry merchant, particularly with what we do in terms of programming. And uh, it's just kind of, it just, it just kind of grows from there. And it reminded me, like years and years ago, I had a little Boss DR110 drum machine and a Boss, one of the first little 12-bit digital delay sample pedals. And the amount of fun we had with that, I think I've got a cassette that probably drones on for way too long, but it was just such a laugh. And again, you know, Robbie said a couple of weeks ago about the whole iPad thing, you know, everything kind of just goes into the computer. And I remember talking to a girl, uh, a singer, and she said oh, she just literally got divorced, and I asked why, and she said, well, he was a programmer, wasn't he? She said, what did I see all day? The back of his bloody head. What did I hear all day? Beep, beep. <laughs> and that was it for her that was grounds for divorce which i thought was reasonable ah <laughs> uh, yes i remember the uh it's the atari counting isn't it yeah in fact that was used by a few people rebel mc i think used that on um one of the many things that they did but uh you know gaz i'm guessing you're probably a bit more free uh and uh at and and liberal with your jamming, but I mean, you're guessing we're talking more acoustic or, or you know, real instrumentation rather than you know the the electronic kind. Mm, not necessarily, but I definitely hugely, hugely, hugely uh, big fan of jamming, and it's been an enormous part of my life, really. But um, it, it, interestingly, me and Cuckoo have arranged to have an online jam, which we're going to hopefully stream or at least um, make the result of it uh watchable online uh and he's going so that's one of the things once i decided i was going to buy the analog keys um he helpfully said that he'd you know he'd show me a few things and then and from there we've discussed sort of maybe having a little jam so we think we're going to try that that idea that you can do certainly with ninjam where you have a a jam which has got like a clock in order to keep you together but it adds extra latency. I think we've talked about this before, where the latency, it, it, you know, to get around the inherent problems of jamming jamming over the internet, you have this thing where it, it makes the latency one bar, one complete bar of latency. So, <laughs> it's so you get this really odd thing of jamming in time, but a bar kind of. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's a bit. It is. It does get a bit back to the future when you think about it, because it's like um, if you're getting it a bar late. <laughs> but um, so I shall. Uh, I shall let let you know when that's uh, when we've done that. But um, uh, but I think yeah. I mean, jamming is is a way of life, really. I think as well. I think it's a form of communication. I mean. Um, I used to live up this mountain with my whole band. We used to like the monkeys, you know, living in this farmhouse uh, in, the, in, the, oops, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I was just seeing that Gazoo and Yazoo uh, world tour. It just looked like such a fantastic bill. That's uh, Bullard in the <laughs> chat room. Gazoo and Cuckoo and Yazoo. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but I was just saying, we used to have this, we used to live up, up this mountain. You know, you had to go through a gate and wind your way up this mountain. It was really kind of quite... Um, an obscure location but we all lived up there and, and we used to you know and jamming was pretty much all we did and it was it was lush i didn't really want to leave there but we we were, we went up there to um write an album we had a record deal at the time and 
I just want I just wanted to live there forever, you know, just perpetual jamming. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think it's good for the soul. I think it's really yes, good. I think you're probably right there. As interestingly enough, I mean, you know, and Cuckoo seems to—he's a very compelling individual. I mean, not only that, he's got a real. There's he's, he's very uh, immediately visible. I'm here. Ah, we got Rich back. Uh, well, it feels only right at this point. Just let me go and go and get you, Rich. I'm just going to go. So and, suspenseful. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, ah, yeah, you're, it's a fun, your your video is in and out a bit, a little bit. So uh, maybe we'll just. Yeah, I'm working on that. Okay, all right. Let me see. There oh, there go. he is. Okay, just give me one second. I'll come and get you. So, Rich. <laughs> that was funny. That was so funny. The yeah. um, am I on? Can people hear this? Yeah, we can hear you. All right. Well, what happened was it's really, really windy here. I mean, like, really windy. And the power in the house went down for a second. Oh, wow. And uh, everything oh, shut up. There he is. So, Rich, what did Steve Winwood say? <laughs> <laughs> he said, when you play to a... It's, boy, it didn't have this... It wasn't intended to have this kind of weight to it. You know what I mean? Um, he said, when you play to a click... When you play to a click, you're playing with somebody who's not in the band. Yeah, I guess that's a very valid point, and it, it really does. I mean, I, I well, if you look at his career, he he hasn't played with clicks in a long time, uh, so he lives that as a philosophy. He believes that and enjoys that, and I think there's something to be said for that too. Yeah, definitely. Hasn't he got a new record out? Am I mistaken, or touring, or something? I'm sure he's come up in. He's touring a lot. Right. Okay. Yeah. There we go. He's wonderful. I love the guy. <laughs> he's great. So we should really, um, so yeah, more jamming. It's, it's an interesting idea of, you know, live jams and what have you. And I think, you know, when you've got two machines that talk to each other so that the, it's just all immediately easy, it makes sense. But any kind of clocking or anything like that just does tend to kill. I remember first going to the studio and you have a band who can play pretty well and you say, right, I think, you know, you work with them in rehearsal, you know, this used to be the way. So you'd work them with the rehearsal and you go, right, okay, I think I've got a rough tempo, so we'll use a click. So you put the click down and then everyone, and it all just, you know, it, it's not the same at all. And that's the thing. Now technology has allowed us to kind of adapt the other way around. So you let the band play and then technology follows the band's tempo. But before, you know, for many, many years, this was something that was almost impossible to do unless there happened to be a four on the floor count, you know, in, in some of the parts. So very difficult stuff. And also a bloody nightmare. I don't know if about you, Robbie, you remember doing remixes when, uh, when there was no, uh, no tempo. Oh yeah, and yeah, you had I mean, to work out or, or start time. You just got Simpty yeah. and the band, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, all that kind of nonsense was so easy now, isn't it? To establish tempos with logic and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. makes a big difference. But yeah, so it worked. I guess it works both ways. Um, I think this is probably a good time to, uh, to 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 welcome our sponsors. So I'll press the button, and hopefully it will play. Or it might not. We'll see. <laughs> Ah, here we go. Isotope, of course, our show sponsor. How could I forget them? Um, we're talking about Alloy 2 here. Essential mixing tools. Uh, the, the thing about Alloy is it gives you futuristic music tools, fast results, and more importantly, a fantastic sound. Lots and lots of people use Alloy in their everyday work, as either as a channel strip or on the bus or on the master outputs. Intuitive workflow gives you access to six powerful tools in one plugin. Equalizer, Dynamics, Exciter, DSer, Transient Shaper, and Limiter. I very often use it in a, in a way just to be able to fix, like, 
poorly recorded video sound or ambient. It's, it's a very, very useful thing. Uh, great presets, over 250 presets and a wealth of advanced controls that you can tweak. Multiband transient shaper, make a kick drum less boomy or add more snap to a snare. There's a multiband mode which usually shape the kick. Snare and cymbals in different frequency bands. Visual feedback. Just tons of stuff. So if you want to get hold of it, go to isotope.com forward slash alloy. Uh, alloy 2 will get you. And also, don't forget, there is a free mixing guide, which is a 70-page plus uh, called Mixing with Isotope, filled with tips and tricks for hobbyists and pros alike. Also, alike, also available at Isotope. Once again, we thank them very much for their sponsorship of the show. I guess this does sort of introduce the next topic a little bit because um, we've also got a, a, a new mastering tool from Positive Grid. This is their uh, promo video, which is interestingly is running on an iPad mini by the looks of things. Either that or the guy's got massive hands. I won't play it all. I'm guessing in that instance what was happening was uh, it was mastering from a playback from a file on the unit. But you can apparently run this from uh, an audio interface and uh, process in real time. And I know, Gaz, we've done uh, we've reviewed the positive grid stuff, and that you know the um, the bias, the amp oh, yeah. uh, was yep. uh, is a pretty awesome piece of software. Mm. So I guess we'd be expecting good things. But is, does it does it have a place on an iPad or is it kind of a bit weird? I mean, it's strange they use an iPad mini even there because, I mean, that looks fiddly as hell. Mm. It's a very nice interface, though. I've got to be honest. They sent it me early and um, I've had a have had a good play around with it. Um, uh, and it's, it's quite interesting because it is definitely based on ozone in many ways. There's lots of, you know, it's, a, it's sort of almost like a uh, you know, a tribute to ozone, if you will. <laughs> um, but it's very, it's got a very nice user interface. Very, very nice. I, I have to say it's, um, it's very intuitive and having all of those modules, I, cause I use ozone so much and have done for so many years now. So I, I felt at home with it straight away because this whole idea of having all these modules that you can just bring in and, 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 uh, I think for me, if there's an issue with it right now, though, is that uh, you can't really do wave editing on it. You know, so it would be nice if you if it, it sort of feels like that it's not enough in a way, just as a standalone piece of software, because uh, you know you want to be able, you know, if you're mastering, just being able to have control fades and all sorts of things like that. Um, I'm pretty oh, I sure see you what you mean. Do. It's, ju it's just yeah. going to be, you know. Something comes in, goes out sounding better, but that's about as much as you can do with it. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, gosh, I hope I'm, I'm, I'm right about that. <laughs> well, but, you, um, I mean, but no, I understand. I mean, I think yeah. the, the notion of something like this on an iPad, mm. it, it's got that sort of, wow, you can do that on an iPad factor, but the, I guess the question good. is, why would it you? Does, it does sound very good as well. I think, you know, the hands-on thing is lovely, you know, like um, touching those EQs and uh, whatever you're doing with it, the interface is very well thought out. Um it's it, it's a very slick and feels very professional um so yeah i mean i think it's i think it's pretty impressive stuff really i guess the trick is is you know you've got to have decent i mean, get um uh, robbie i know you you know you started off with a sort of a real thrill about the ipad now but i'm guessing you know do, does do you think well, this this has got a place 
a few things. I mean, it's like I said, it's you know, it, 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 it's the whole thing of you've got to do it on that on the iPad. So it's when, first and foremost whether you're comfortable with trying to get your fingernail to do all these sort of intricate little things on an iPad. Um, you got the you got the whole thing of getting sound in and out. Which unless for serious use, you're going to have to use something like eye connectivity to so you don't you've got lossless audio going in and out. Yeah. To be able to monitor it. I mean, I don't know how it works. About do you render files and then just back them out? Um, upload them somewhere. Is that how it works? Yeah, there's good. Uh, yeah. There's very good connectivity in the sharing and. Uh, you know, that's but it, it, it does work in real good. time on audio as well, does it? Coming in, that's true, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the other thing is to say, isn't it? It's just like the more and more we all have mastering tools available to us at silly cheap money, it just means the more and more everybody has a go at it themselves, and some people do okay, and other people totally cock everything up. You know, so yeah. it's just it's 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 it's, it's, it's kind of a double edged sword, isn't it? In the in the right hands, it, I'm sure it'd be very useful. But again, there'll be loads more people now who go, great, I'll just whack the music into my iPad and make it as loud as I can turn it into a square wave. <laughs> 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 the toothpaste approach. Yeah, I guess you're right yeah. there. But, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 it's an interesting idea, but I mean, it's all gradually moving in that direction. I go, and Rich, you're, you're a, you're, you became a fan of the iPad. Have you got a mini or are you still on the fuller size one? Mini iPad, that is. I have uh, the original uh, what I like to refer to as brick classic. IPad. <laughs> the iPad classic. But, but my latest toy acquisition is this thing, which Ooh. is the Kindle Fire HDX. Ah, okay. That's an which I bought for purposes having absolutely nothing to do with music. <laughs> Android-based, <laughs> isn't it? Pardon? Android-based, right? It is apparently, yes. Yeah. I quite like it. I'm enjoying it. Very much. It does what I wanted it to do. Has it got a mastering app on it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Ah, which there you go. It encompasses a set of things that I don't necessarily need to do. Yes, I mastering suppose. and mastering certainly anything that I had anything to do with is is dodgy business to me. The answer to the question "Why do you master?" had better be because I want to hand this project that I have considered now for some concentrated period of time to somebody I trust enormously yes. who can then take it to another level for me that doing things that I didn't anticipate or couldn't foresee. And nowadays the process tends to involve a simultaneity between the mixing and the mastering. Sometimes guys bring their multi-track rigs to the mastering. I mean, it's because sometimes you, the mastering engineer can't get what he wants to do what he needs to do, and you now have the capability of recalling that thing. Um, so to me, self-involved mastering is a um, just one more crack at twisting the EQs. And I'm just, I, I asked myself why you didn't get it to where you wanted it in the first place at that point. Then, then again, I have been known to throw an EQ on the master fader now and then. And because I decide that my overall presentation needs some perking up. So I do understand that. I just think that mastering as a process is almost by definition done by somebody else and uh, not by you. I think that is a really valid point. It's, you know, the, the, a fresh pair of ears 
that doesn't involve a full mix. I don't know. You agree with that, Dave? I think it sounds like a really, you know... And also, you get that kind of input as like, well, used to anyway, what the spacing should be, you know, between tracks, where how long is the fade okay? Does it need to happen? You know, all of those things are best dealt with by somebody else, I think. Yeah. I mean, I love it. You know, like when you hand over a project that you've really sweated over and then you hand it to somebody else, you trust them and you get it back and you go, oh, that sounds... It all sounds consistent and nicely polished. I thought what was interesting, I was a bit meh about this, uh, but I did speak to John, and what John said is that, he said, I don't really know how much power the latest iPads have available for this sort of thing, but I suspect it's more than many top producers had in their Pro Tools system back back in the day, which (laughs) I thought was kind of intriguing. But also, he was looking at it from a kind of live perspective, in that, you know, perhaps you've recorded some video of your gig and you've had a feed from the desk go into your iPad and you just want to kind of polish that up before uploading it to YouTube. And in that aspect, uh, I think it's uh, an exceptionally good tool. Yeah, I think that's yeah. good. Sorry, Gavin, but you do a yeah, lot maybe, of mastering. Maybe the term mastering is a little bit, you know, maybe that needs an update in itself, the word mastering, because, you know, for me, when I started mastering about 15 years ago, I felt really guilty about calling myself a mastering engineer because for me that that you know I didn't I I felt a, a bit of a fraud I thought a mastering engineer was some you know the white lab coat type yeah. you know the, this very needs to know techni- about cutting vinyl <laughs> yeah exactly sort of yeah yeah um, so I, I'd prefer to use like terms like post production or whatever but you know there is an awful lot you can do to a, a mix down that you can't do from within the mix. And I think that there's a lot of creative stuff you can do to the mix down as well. So I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a bad thing to allow people to, or to encourage people to play around with the master mix. Uh, I certainly think the loudness thing is, is, is a separate issue and these things can certainly contribute negatively to that. But, um, you know, I, I, I just, I was going to say earlier, you know, just when you're sitting down, comfortably with a really good set of headphones on and you've got the ipad comfortably and you're just playing and it's you know that's a very relaxing and enjoyable mm. way to interact with your music you know but i suppose the thing is if you're attached to uh you know a usb cord with with a load of balanced c- cables going in and out it's a different yeah. experience because you're probably exactly. going to be in the same place between your speakers and how you're monitoring and all that kind of thing so it's mm. you know i just want isotope to do a control surface for ozone. There's a, a great uh, piece in the chat room, actually. John Van has just put in. Let me see if I can uh, bring that into place. Which uh, said the last record he mixed, uh, the artist took it to mastering engineer and said, "Oh, you have Jay John Van Eaton mixing. I just have to just have him fix these five things." So I fixed those five things, and the artist sat around and smoked and drink and said, "Yeah." And that's the short story. That's nice. I mean, that's the, that's a great way to be able to do it. And I guess the thing is also with that, if you go to a mastering engineer or you send something to them and they said, actually, you know, maybe what you should do is I recommend this, this and this, because most of us are in a sort of full in the box digital recall sort of scenario. It's a question of change. You can change those things, you know, quite quickly, whereas previously it would have been, you know, an absolute nightmare to go back, remix the thing, try and recreate it, you know, all of those things. It would have been a, a very different uh, vibe completely, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they said the panel. Anyway. Uh, right. 
Yes, I was muted. I'm sorry. I yelled right. I mean, right, right as you said it. I was um, muted. It's still, it's only 20 bucks. And maybe, you know, for, yeah. certainly for finishing off or, you know, it might work very well just for also processing individual stems, you know, like say a drum, a drum submix or something like that. So you can put a bit of extra beef and then drop it back in or whatever. That would be yeah. kind of interesting. Who I think knows? it does sound, it does sound very good though, to be fair to it. I mean, it's easy to, you know, to maybe sort of look at it costing 20 quid or whatever and, not, oh well, not twenty quid. It's twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. Yeah. And an you iPad, know. obviously, and an audio interface. Oh uh, yes. <laughs> but apart from that, yeah, it's a bargain. And yeah. a pair of ears. And a pair of ears. Yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> you don't need them. Well, I, yeah, fortunately, I'm endowed with ones that stick out enough, you know. So. <laughs> But um, but it's, it is quite interesting actually. That, I mean, because the ears, I've, I've read that there's a, a series of books uh, by uh, a, a cr- sort of crime writer called Jo Nesbo. I think he's um, oh, Norwegian. Norwegian. Absolutely brilliant. But he's always banging on about aud- uh, auditory clues and people getting clues to solve these amazing crimes by just sort of because the air, the ear is so sensitive so you know things like noticing the ambience on the other end of a phone when someone's ringing and thinking why, why do i recognize i know where this person is you know and it's just anyway that's completely random but if you do get the chance <laughs> and you listen to audible at all the series of the yonesbo um uh, harry holo books are absolutely brilliant I've just gone through them all, and they're, they're just they're so fantastically well written. I ended up uh, this is I'm I'm going totally off piste here, but uh, I ended up I've just listened to a Dan Brown book, which when I first listened to a Dan Brown book, I found it quite exciting, and now I can't listen to it because it sounds so awfully written compared to the last series of books. Anyway, that's completely nothing to do wow. with anything, right? <laughs> um, literary, well, yeah, <laughs> literary talk. Um. Anyway, um, he's good at writing excitement, but the the grammar and description is just oh, it's awful, awful business. Right, uh, what was next? Oh yes, actually, we should mention this because um, Bitwig is out today, isn't it? I, I know I didn't put it in the show notes, but there it is. It's actually been um, released today. Is the day, and all of those mm. staff who've been manning booths and making videos are now presumably going to be uh, ensconced in support. Uh, hopefully not as much as they 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 you know uh, as they uh, they need to you know that would be good but I haven't heard anything anybody heard anything about Bitvig or download because I think you just download the demo here if I click on there what happens oh yes 150 megabytes what's nice there of course is we got Windows OS X and Linux I think we'll probably try and uh, get a handle on that at some point in the future but I don't know if anybody feels st- I mean we're we're unlikely as people who are, tend to be working on projects to change DAWs halfway through or even between. <laughs> but uh, I know that um, it's a shame we haven't got Tinley on this week because I know he's just basically moved over to to uh, Ableton Live, which is kind of a fairly major change for him. Anybody going to give it a shot? Anybody interested? I mean, there's no uh, AU support. I think it's just VST at the moment, but um, hmm. no? Yeah, 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 sure. No. Absolutely. Giving it a shot. Mm. Has anyone... So, uh, I'm just I'm just curious as to what people think about it. It'd be great to know about what it does on Linux. I think we're kind of stuck with various audio drivers and stuff. Have you had anybody calling yeah. you, Dave? I mean, do, are there any issues for you know? Can you? I presumably your your VST stuff will just run in that, and you can just sit back and um, and watch it go. 
Oh, in theory. I, I don't know is the honest answer. Uh, when you were saying, is anybody going to download it? I was thinking, yes, we will be downloading it and verifying that all our stuff is fine on it. Uh, and actually, it's normally at that point that I make a kind of decision, or will I explore this further? Will I, you know, will it have any uses? Does the workflow work for me creatively? And if so, then uh, it will be an interesting exploration. But uh, that's normally where my everything is based around that. I download it to test, and then we make it. See how you get on with it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I know, Rich. I mean, d- you uh, did we talk to you about down? You were working on you. You got hold of another DAW recently, and you were trying out. Or am I completely imagining it? You're going to give it a shot. Was this was this something that you? I mean, do you feel you have to give something like this a shot just in case? It's like, wow, Niall, this is the way. This would open up so much more possibility because you use live, don't you, in in some aspects of what you do. All of that is sort of true. I all of that the the basis of that is true. I use live sometimes. Our most of our work is done in Pro Tools. Um, I do try to keep. Um, aware of all of these DAWs, and so I am interested to understand more about what makes these guys uh, um, unique as compared to the Ableton Live, you know, uh, way of working, which I'm already comfortable with. So I, yeah, I want to know about it. Hmm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how much is. St- I've got. I did actually. I was beta testing it for a little while, but. As with many things, you know, it, it takes uh, more time and effort than I probably had to give it. To give it the, uh, um, I think I found a bug, but that was just in in the the fact that it uses uh, the net, <laughs> the network IP address because it's got online collaboration. It's got all sorts. Of, it's like online verification, that sort of thing. So I mean, it's quite, uh, or it has to serve to itself. I, I'm already out of my depth. You so. got to serve somebody. Yeah, that's right. Then- but, yeah. I was just going to say, um, something on that DAW thing was, um, I was quite interested a while ago, I was working um, on a track, a couple of tracks with a, an artist from the States called Seven Lions, who's like a very big artist now in the kind of the progressive dubstep scene, and um, the stuff he's doing is absolutely amazing, and um, he was working in FL Studio, and I was, and at the time I thought, oh, you know, there's got to be some, there's obviously some really interesting things within FL Studio which I'm missing out on, you know, um, different types of processes and stuff you can do. And um, I saw the FL Studio guys said that they're never going to do OSX because it's just far too complicated. But I recently saw that they've announced that they're now actively looking to develop OSX for FL Studio. Ah, that is interesting. I wonder what, what would bring that on. I suppose the thing is, you know, as we've talked about in the past, it's really the platform kind of, you know, should be an irrelevance. It's more, you know, the the IP of the workflow or the instrument itself. You know, I mean, that's where it would be ideal to be. But, I mean, unfortunately, that's not the case at the at the moment. I'm guessing some, but the thing is, I'm guessing something like uh, Bitvig, which is multi-platform, simultaneous. So everything is at parity. All the features are at parity, which is quite a, a unique and... Uh, different way to work, certainly within um, music software, because that's very hard to do, I think. And they've written, I think they've written something that means they write this top level of code, and then they've got this translation there in the middle that spits out all the different versions. And presumably they've been working on that a lot, which means it's easy to do. So that might, I suppose, move things on a pace into that direction. I mean, Dave, that would be a joy, wouldn't it? If you just didn't have to worry about platforms and it became whatever, just, yeah. I've got a great idea for an instrument. Let's have it. You're muted, Doug. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. No, no you're not. Be lovely. It'd be absolutely lovely. But we'll try uh, it. Yeah, one day. 
No, it's funny. It's when you said there's no AU, it's just VST as well. I kind of went, uh-huh. At the present time. Well, yes, but that, and I think that's because they could do parity. If they put AUs in there, then that's when one platform has to be developed separately and away from the main feature set. So, yeah, interesting. Hmm. I'm not sure what it costs, though. I didn't see the price anywhere yet. I, uh, download. You can download. Where is it? Shop. I'm going to click on that, see what happens. I could get that slight frisson of nearly buying something. Uh, Digital River Web Shop. Let's have a look. Uh, yeah, it's not a... It's not a... not logic. Wow. 277 quid. Okay, that seems so. I'm guessing. Uh, what's that? If I go to dollars, what's that? We'll have a look. US dollar. Uh, wow, four hundred seventy-eight oh! bucks. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Well, if it's their full, if it's their full boat thing, that's competitive with Ableton's pricing. I think mm. for their full boat thing. I mean, not to compare I guess, apples yeah. or oranges or anything, but just to say. If that's the marketplace that they're addressing, then that's not inconsistent with the pricing of their main com- competition for that space. I guess so. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, what's that? That's 300 euros. It's, see, I, I suppose we've just come spoiled because companies like Apple have just gone, like, here, have everything. It's, you know, 100 bucks, and here's, like, 15 gigs of content while we're at it. But that's easy when you've got, you know, so many years of, of content behind you and you've put you know it's it's it, and that's not your main focus and you make a lot of money elsewhere i, I suppose it makes it a lot simpler but yeah i wonder i wonder if it opens ableton projects does anybody know <laughs> i very I'm serious I, ve- I very much doubt it i mean i think if they started doing that that might start to you know flag up a little bit of wait a minute guys Although I have spoken to people at Ableton and they're like, you know, whatever, it's fine, you know, because we've they've right. got, they've got such a user base and people, you know, based in and I've said for decades now that these guys should each be writing software that imports the other guys' sessions. Yeah, well, we got somewhere towards that. I guess they don't. Of. I guess they don't see the marketing potential for that. They don't see any money behind a lot of time spent in doing it, but. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it's really good for a product to be able to say, and if you're already working in such and such, you can open your projects right here and keep working. Yeah. I'm just regretting militantly going through every time installing software and always unchecking the VST aspect <laughs> and thinking, if uh, I want to try it now, I'm going to have to reinstall it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I know that feeling. When you, yes, when, you, when, you go, when you've installed the plugins and you just go, I just need the AU version. I'll save my disk space. It's only another four hundred k. I don't need any. <laughs> so I'm, I've got uh, I've got it installed here in front of me. Oh, um, wow! Have you just been doing go it? Go ahead, Gaz. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so just checking it out. Um, so the installation process is very nice, very easy. Uh, it looks very slick, but it's ever so close to Ableton in many ways, isn't it? Um, you know, it's. Uh, it's got so many of the similar features, uh, so it's quite interesting because for many years, a- a- Ableton Live its session view has been largely unchallenged, really, you know, in the serious DAW market. So uh, I think that's quite interesting because you know I know you don't like working that way, Nick. Do you? With it's the, not uh, that I don't like it. It's just I've never got that. I don't understand the workflow hmm. of the jamming clips 
and then flipping it over and flipping it back. I just don't get, and I've seen it happen, and I've sort of thought, yeah, that looks really good, but I don't fully understand what's happening here. If I kind of got a handle on it's like when we had uh, Mike Gregan, who's been a guest on the podcast a few times, and he did, you know, I mean, okay, I, I did a headline grabbing track in 10 minutes, and by golly, it worked. It was a very popular video. But watching him just make something quickly and just going, yeah, I've done this, and it's all about scene and clip duplication and then moving on mm. and modifying, moving on. I just haven't understood the workflow of being able to jam and follow it through but I'm sure yeah. once you, I mean he's a master at it but it can't be you know mm -hmm. that hard if you're making stuff up it's just a mm. question of understanding the workflow and I think there's there's actually quite a lot of room for education in that department because I just I just I have never been educated on how to use it properly I suppose or use it in that way at least right right okay um yeah I mean it is a it is a different way of working isn't it it's a different mindset it's this idea of um collating ideas uh and then maybe doing multiple ver not if you work painstakingly creating your arrangement along the timeline you know it to have this non-linear approach does seem an anathema to that way of working so i can understand uh i can understand that but um Regarding Bitwig, though, I'm just wondering, they're going to have a big, they're going to have a hard sell in, on, in a way because there's been so many products that have come out in recent years which are, which are specifically aimed around the Ableton workflow. So I wonder if those devices, I'm thinking of the Novation Launchpad, certainly the APC uh, well, there's, yeah, there's two, two new APCs out on there as well. Yeah. New ones of those. And they're very much specific, you know, they're very targeted to the Ableton workflow. Uh, so I wonder if Bitwig is going to be able to adapt those uh, those controllers. Um, I think if they don't. One, they? Sorry. It's a panorama. That's already, they already said from the outset that they've got all that sorted with Bitwig. Yeah, well, Nectar are uh, distributing Panorama, um, actually. Uh, sorry, a Bitwig, rather. So, um, you know, mm -hmm. they'll be in the air boxes, as it were. Mm -hmm. So so I guess that's the thing, really, with to see if Bitwig becomes a success, um, whether it can get the hardware on board, really. Because it, when you play with uh, hardware with Ableton Live, it really does make it feel like an instrument, this interactive process so you know i think if bitwig has a good degree of that as well i think that'll that'll help it along yeah well we shall see i mean it's early days yet i mean i've they've gone fairly high with the price but they've been very they've obviously spent a lot of money on development so they're gonna to have to recoup some of it so i mean it's just you know to, to get people to jump they're going to have to get new users because people aren't going to drop 500 bucks that easily if they've already got a daw that they can already work in so um yeah we'll mm. uh, we'll see we will see but uh, yeah that, I, I sort of threw that one in without any kind of uh, <laughs> preparation i just realized that it was today i thought what well, um let's have a look what we could do, do does the does anybody have a handle on the panning up and down question? Because I thought that was quite an interesting uh, concept. But if nobody's got any any kind of ideas on how we could uh, we could we could discuss it, then perhaps we could move on to one of the other topics. I did ask I did ask John, who obviously but John worked for a company called um, Sensora years and years ago, which did all the kind of three D stuff. Uh, but it's quite a long winded reply, so you might <laughs> want to move on. Okay, I don't know. I, 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 I was glad that you were here, Rich, because I also thought, you know, the, 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 
you know, you can't do it maybe in physics, but in perception. Uh, before I before I start, let's just trail it and then see if there's any, if it goes anywhere because this was please. It was on <laughs> on uh, Reddit. Uh, there was. Just, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, on Reddit, it, all it was was a question: is, is it possible? Obviously, you know, you can pan left and right, but what happens if you want to move items up and down? within a mix is that possible or, or is there a way i mean obviously there's no up and down pan pot but it made me think is there a way to make things seem lower to the ground further up you know and i just thought i don't know that there is and i did look on it and i wondered whether there was any but i do remember hearing an album you know ingenue which i've banged on about before which is a kd lang record and hearing it on a pair of electrostatic speakers and just going i can hear how tall the tambourine player is you know it, it actually <laughs> felt like the tambourine player was up there over to the left a bit sort of up a bit do you know it was it was really really curious and i don't know how the hell they did it whether it was you know whether it was me but um so that's why it threw up and i don't know that there is a way to do it i just wondered if there was you know rich if somebody asked you in a mix say i want it to feel like you know somebody's tapping their foot and you're hearing it coming from the floor rather than you know center image is there a way to do that kind of thing? I guess EQ perhaps is the only way I could think of, but it just seemed like a, an interesting challenge. I, the only reason you associate bass with closer to the floor is because of the you know what those things are that create bass, and most of them are close to the floor because they weigh a lot. Um, I'm skeptical about this. Shall we say? Okay. Yeah. I don't. I don't think this is easily achieved, and I don't think we as humans are nearly as acute in our perception of height as we are in as our, in our perception of width. I mean, you know, when there's a plane flying overhead, that it's not you know crawling along the ground, but you, <laughs> it's in other words. So, but I think the subtle differences within our field of local vision, within the periphery of our vision, for example. Um, tend not to be as apparent to us visually, and I don't think we have playback systems that accentuate them. It would be interesting to hear one that was. Mm. Yes, yeah, so I, I just thought it, there might be a kind of technique that was used or not. Well, I'll bet you in I'm sorry, Robbie. No, sorry, I just thought, I, I seem to remember years ago a plugin by a company called ProSonic called Ambisone which was like a plug-in that had a little ball that allowed you to lift it up and down as well as left and right. And I seem to remember having some sort of weird sort of binaural kind of effect on hearing stuff, certainly on headphones, with it seeming a little bit like that. I don't know how effective it was. I have... But, um, it's obviously been explored before. I've never heard of it, um, but yeah, I mean that kind of whole psycho—it's psycho—it's got to be down to psychoacoustics, hasn't it? Really, I mean that's the only way I can think it could be done. What John says here is the root of how we discern height is down to the shapes of our ears acting as directionally dependent filters. Sounds from different directions get different EQ curves applied to them. So effectively, if you apply that to technology, blah, 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 with the company he worked for, they were known as head-related. He was saying that they measured over a thousand impulse responses to measure the frequency response of the ear from various directions in the sphere around the listener, over a thousand of them in the, in the case of this company we work with. And these were known as heat-related transfer functions, or HRTFs. 
And then combining those with interaural time delay, they give an all-round positioning. But how effective it is depends on both the sound and the listener. After all, how do we discern the difference between sound EQ'd by being in a particular position and just being a slightly different sound and just having a slightly different sound? So all this other supporting information helps. And then he says, by the way, I seem to remember that vertical positioning was mostly dependent on higher frequencies, somewhere around 8K, but it has been a while. So there you go. Ah, interesting. Well, um, there's a challenge, but yes, apparently there's also a plug-in in Reaper, uh, according to the chat room. Uh, and I guess any of the sort of 3D type stuff is going to uh, work in that degree. But it just it, I just thought it threw up an interesting point, and I, I absolutely no idea um, about it whatsoever. So, um, Vox Socks, anybody? Or uh, <laughs> Cord Clothing? Or perhaps Revolver 4 sounds pretty damn good. See, <laughs> or doesn't it? This is coming out, uh, we think, in sometime in May, and it's been around for a while. This software, and obviously, it's very metal, but you know, we can get to the point of schematics and changing the properties of individual components and stuff like that. So, very similar to what Bias uh, sought, but even more so. There's some very interesting other technologies in here as well. Uh, I won't play the whole video because it's quite long, but there was, uh, there was stuff like where you model you, you, you model your guitar so it knows what it's dealing with, and then you can apply its models to that guitar so make it sound like an acoustic. Similar sort of principle to what the Line 6 stuff has been doing for a while, but I guess they make their guitar so they know what, the, what signal is that they're dealing with and what have you. But the whole kind of notion of this uh, reamping um, stuff that you've recorded... And I'm guessing, you know, reamping is something, I don't know, I mean, I've, I've often thought about, about it, and it's something that people do a lot, you know, particularly with, the, uh, with things like the uh, Kemper profiling amplifier, they just record the dry signal or play to it, and then you can just throw different amps on it and what have you. Is this something that you've uh, done much of in terms of reamping? You know, is that something that you get the opportunity to do much of, Day? Uh, Rich, sorry? Oh, sorry. Not often in my day-to-day -day existence, no, but... Uh, there have been experiences where I have, and it's a shame Mark's not here, because there were times during the making of the album that we worked on for Duran Duran, which was, gosh, almost 12 years ago. You know, it was 12 years ago. Um, where we did do some reamping using a Line 6 product that uh, Andy Taylor was fond of. Ah, was that uh, Amp Farm by any chance? Or was that, because that, that was... Well, no, no, no. We used, uh, we used actual... Uh, uh, gear. In other words, it was a it was a rack mountable piece of hardware. Uh, okay. Byline six. It was an uh, it was a pod something or other. It was one of the first products after the kidney shaped thing that they sold. Yeah, they first. did a rack version, didn't they? I remember now. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, um. So it's been done for years. In our in my virtual world over at uh, Miles Place, yes, I use amp sims a lot for him. Hmm. Quite often. Excellent. But this does. I sound, like some of them. It, I mean, if you've got a chance to watch the whole video, it's actually quite an interesting. There's an enormous amount of sculpting and scope. I mean, obviously, you know, we were listening to this kind of new metal thing, you know, but it it was very authentic, I thought. And and Revolver has got a lot of um, a lot of people actually, you know, really do rate it. And and four seems to be adding a whole bunch more. Gaz, have you have you come across this before? Revolver. It's a couple of hundred quid, I think, but it still looks. 
after years and years ago, it was one of the very first ones, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, really, really long time back uh, before PV owned it, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, this looks like you mentioned bias. And when we reviewed bias, we talked about how that gave such a lot of depth. You know, you could get in and change the transformers and various bits and bobs that you could do. Uh, but this goes to the next level, doesn't it? Sort of uh, for tweakery. But I, but there is always the, the same issue that always happens with these modelers is that the, the, the physical effect of standing next to a loud amplifier uh, <laughs> doesn't get, you can't, you know, you can't replace that experience and that experience makes you play in a different way, you know. So I think it's, so as good as they get in, you know, making things sound good, it still doesn't replicate the actual physical sensation, you know, the vibrations and all of everything else that goes on that a loud amplifier does. You know, I think it makes your guitar, you know, you have to sort of, uh, you know, you have to really control the strings because the, the loudness of the amplifier is making the guitar vibrate, you know. And so there's a there's a whole kind of bunch of things that that this will never replace, you know, so... Well, I suppose, yeah, but that's I, like being in the room with it, but you're reco- this yeah. is for recording, which you're not in the room with the recording, presumably, so... Well, you, no, you certainly can be in the room playing a loud guitar and recording, but... Um, Absolutely. Uh, you know, and guitarists, when I'm working with guitarists, they always complain yeah. bitterly when, <laughs> when they, you know... They have to turn it down. their amp into another room ah. or something, you know, they don't, you know... Don't like uh, it. So, uh, yeah, but but you know, I, I mean, I've got an old Pod X3 here, and that still sounds good, you know. So I don't know quite how, um, you know, I just don't know how far this this goes, really. You know, I don't. Um, I know right. guitarists are unbelievably picky when it comes to tone, um, so I think. They're obviously trying to tap into that. Um, mm. I mean, Generation 4 is kind of a long way down the line with something mm. of this nature, and it does look fairly complicated. I mean, uh, Robbie, do you have to deal with guitars much in your line of work? I mean, and if you do, do you do you use this kind of thing? I mean, this looks pretty interesting. Uh, I mean, it might be interesting for, for synths as well, looking at it. I mean, I've, I've got two guitarists that I always use, and I trust because they're amazing at everything. And I just kind of put it in their hands, and I know when we're working on a project, what kind of thing I want to hear in the track and, and they're good at getting it for me because I don't profess to have any sort of background with guitars. But um, yeah, I mean, we've used, we've used um, quite successfully in the studio, particularly the soft tube stuff we've used quite a bit. The, oh, yeah. their, their, their amp modelling stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know, I know it's funny. You have this whole thing with guitarists always. You know, they never like the idea of not having the physical thing in front of them, you know, making a lot of noise. So, um, yeah, I'm well used to that kind of argument with guitarists over the years, the stage and all that sort of thing as well. Maybe um, what we know. need, somebody needs to develop a kind of um, a fan that puffs air in time with the music and you put it behind them and a subwoofer or something so that they just sort of feel like they're getting, they get the sensation of that incredibly loud thing. And that, that, that might not be all that because you get the same thing with... Um, uh, it's kickers, isn't it, on for drum monitoring where they just put something in the seat and it kicks you up the arse every mm. time you hit the bass drum. And it makes you feel like you're getting a lot of air moved around you. But, but you yeah. know, it, so well, you I've got get, this thing. I have, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that 
they, they keep trying to. There's one you can stand on one of those kicker things mm. for bass players, and and they're, they're, everyone keeps trying to get me to get one for because I always have a sub on stage with me because I like to mm. feel, even though I've got in ears, I like to be able to feel some of the bass. And so I, on stage, we don't have any monitors, anything at all, apart from this one sub that I have. <laughs> so everyone's got this sort of campaign to get rid of the sub. You so, need a yeah. specially modified. Um but pizza electric vibration mm. system they do them like a bench you can stand on ah yeah no but, i've seen those yeah yeah, yeah but they're, they're incredibly heavy that's the problem yeah, yeah. Uh, i mentioned before nick i've uh, i've paid into a kickstarter thing for a wooja which is um a haptic vibration box it's a small little kind of thing this big that you plug it, your head that comes in line to your head your headphone out into this wooja and then into your headphones and you, there's apparently two places that it works. One is on the sternum, and I think one is on the maybe on the the base of the spine or something. And uh, this, and, and the the theory is, is that if you put this box on, you know, and you clip it onto your clothes, there, strap it, it on is what you're trying to. The, the words you were looking for, I think, when you strapping it on there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> um, but but the idea of this thing is that it's meant to simulate listening to loud music and the vibrations that you get from that. So I mean, my interest in that is for when I'm practicing my bass late at night and I want to sort of get a little bit more um, of a bass feeling. But um, I have really no idea. It might be a complete waste of waste of money. So I think it's due fairly soon. So I'll give you an update. Yeah, that'd be uh, interesting to know because there's all mm. sorts of those sort of things for gamers, aren't there? That you wear these sort yeah. of patch, and so. It, explosions and loud bangs you know you feel physically i know dave you you play drums you've slouched yeah. in your chair have you have you found a have you found a sweet spot for that um wooja it's funny you know, it's probably subconsciously we were talking you said about the uh bass drum kickers i think it was called butt kicker that was the last one that i uh, played drums using and uh, the crew changed the logo and it was ended up being called dave's butt buddy and it was <laughs> Dave, go and sit with your butt buddy <laughs> over there. I can imagine. I, did it work I though? Thought, did it? Did it kind of? Yeah, massively. So uh, it was, and it's, it's exactly what Gaz said. You need that kind of real impact feedback. In fact, I did this thing at some uh, like a kids' college, and they were all using electronic drums. And it suddenly struck me. I was like, you know, not one of these kids has had the has, uh, has experienced the feeling of just belting the crap out of the head and moving that air and feeling that the vibration up the skin just everything so yeah it was good it was a this was i mean this was a long time ago it was a club gig and they didn't want an acoustic kit in there uh they were charging per mic if i remember correctly <laughs> <They had company. laughs> do you remember the milk bar in london I re- re- vaguely recall it. It was in there. It was in there. And they were kind of, the PA company were like, you know, no, no, we charge by the mic. And, and it's like double price for the drummer. And I was like, well, you know, it's obligatory for me to have 57 microphones. And uh, they kind of went, no, just use an acoustic, uh, just use an electronic kit. So I got, a, it was a Nord drum kit. And then they pumped the thing through this Dave's butt buddy. And it was fantastic. It was really good. I guess the, the problem. Only- I got the only the only thing that if you could you know because with a sub you could easily understand when it's getting too loud and uncomfortable. With something like this, if it's got a lot of power in it, it could really it could perhaps do you some damage if you were um, in the hands of an irresponsible monitor engineer. Yeah, it was quite good. I I liked my butt buddy at the end of the night. <laughs> 
But I'll tell you what was really fascinating from my perspective was the snare because I'm used to playing that, um, or I was used to playing the rim and the snare at the same time to get that real crack. And actually, Dale was the bass player, and he said that he would always lock into that crack more than anything else because that was the kind of metronomic timing. And what I found was, is by the end of the night, because I'd had my butt buddy really pumping air, <laughs> my wrist from the snare, but where I tried to play as loud as how I perceived the kick drum to be, was absolutely ragged. I mean, it was beyond the Simmons wrist days. It was battered. So, yes, my butt buddy ruined me that night. Oh, dear. <laughs> as you can imagine, the jokes were just coming. I, I, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're coming back again to me right now, but I think we should probably save them for a, uh, a more family friend, a less family-friendly stream, perhaps. Um, uh, I, I forgot where, what, what even started that. I've completely... <laughs> where, where, where did that come from? I can't even remember now. Where was that? Oh, that was from Revolver. But Revolver, yes, Revolver 4 available from PV. Does look good. I would, I actually would like to play with it a bit, but I don't think it's going to be around until May um, or, you know, somewhere around there. It depends. They're obviously finishing a bunch of stuff. But there's some new technology. The ACT modelling looks really interesting. So you play your instrument in, it analyses it, and then it can apply. It's the same sort of principle as we talked about with the Stephen Slate thing, where it's a known quantity going into an emulation, so it knows the frequency response it's dealing with, so therefore any modelling it applies to that is more accurate as a result of it knowing what it's dealing with, if you see what I mean. Does that make sense? Rich, I saw you raise your eyes. Yeah, it does. I'm sure it does. Sure it does. <laughs> Thank you. That's fine. So um, there was one last... I mean, we might have a bit of time for it, and there's obviously... Uh, we've got the uh, the Vox Socks and the Korg merch. So, uh, yes, Korg have announced some merch. Um, it's very cheap. Look, there's T-shirts there for two bucks, three bucks. How is anybody no. going to compete with... I'm just wondering whether or not... You know, how can you possibly... Because I was thinking about maybe some T-shirts, and it's like there's just no way I get even close to that. Um, so you can buy... Yeah, you can buy various... Vo and I just wondered, you know... As a maybe a closing topic, who does the best merch or who has done the best merch? Um, mm. And I could, yeah, I'm, I, I was struggling. Mm. I suppose my favourite one, the favourite one I had recently was the uh, the Micro Korg um, Ooh, USB that. stick, which was kind of, I, I enjoyed that one. But that was swag rather than merch, so it's not quite the same thing. Uh, no. I do regularly wear, I, I do wear these Access Virus T-shirts, and it's not because I'm a particular Access Virus fan. It's just they are such fantastic quality <laughs> that they've <laughs> lasted the longest of any T-shirt that I've ever had, and they are uh, very warm. It's the uh, of course it's the Teenage Engineering um, boots, basketball, uh, you know, like sort of um, like Converse boots. Ah, uh, yep, yep. Okay, they're I quite nice. Those. Very expensive, very expensive, expensive, like old teenage engineering stuff. Uh, also, Electron have got a quite a nice. Yes, yeah, so I was they? just looking for that. Where's the online shop? I'm going to have a look at that now because they did. They've got these kind of rather. Uh, let's see, where's the merch? Yeah, oh, keep going. Uh, keep going. oh, there we go. <laughs> Uh, and it is obviously expensive because I've been to their spooth lots of times, and I've I've actually you know I've looked longingly. Bloody hell. Yeah, <laughs> no, no wonder they haven't given them uh, given them to me. That's ninety five quid for a hoodie. <laughs> Select your size. You better have 
Yeah. Wow. That's okay. But it's obviously premium quality. You know, it's nice stuff. But <laughs> Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say, okay, let's see how much is a T-shirt. What? <laughs> that, that's a Scandinavian for you. That is hilarious. Yeah, these are my favourite. What are those? My mood, my mood attack, <laughs> sustain and release mats. Oh, I like that. Oh, very nice. They're good. I like those. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave. Well, if I had a quid for every time somebody emailed us saying, can I have a Screams Like a Bastard t-shirt, I'd, I would certainly have about seven pounds. No, I'd have a lot more than that. Um, my favourite one was when Underworld started doing uh, various bits of merchandise. Louise said, you know what they should do? They should do Underworld underwear. Yeah. And we actually did, and she did actually say that to Carl, and Carl said, I think we'll leave that to M&S. Uh, and in the music instrument business arena my universal audio stuff just seems to last forever that was amazing we were going to do some stuff for them and their then marketing guy mike kind of just arrived at our booth at nam and just with a kind of box and i think there were like three hoodies about five t-shirts and they were all large or extra large so chris just kind of looked at me and went well they're for you then aren't they <laughs> <laughs> they've still lasted i like your synth top trumps you did yeah, that was good. Well, they still good. sell by the bucket load. They really do. That's and, a, uh, oh, interesting. We, we kind of didn't make a big play of those. And I remember that we released it just before Christmas and we didn't really advertise very much at all. And uh, Hans Zimmer came up to me at NAM and just said, why didn't you make a big song and dance about those? Because I could, have, I could think of like 500 people I'd have bought those for for Christmas. <laughs> And we went, yeah, maybe next time we better advertise. Oh. Well, good stuff. Uh, Rich, you must have been exposed to the occasional piece of merch being on tour. You tend to get handed <laughs> stuff, don't you? Well, if you look at my pictures of me from many, many years ago, uh, my keyboards were covered with stickers by uh, various synthesizer companies that the keyboards themselves didn't represent. But... Um, I don't know. The, be- the best merch story I can tell you is that in December of 1978, when I went to the Moog factory outside of Buffalo, New York, to pick up my just-finished multi-Moog that had not even hit the stores yet, I bought a Moog authorized performer T-shirt that my son Corey can still wear today, and it still looks good. Ah, uh, nice. That was 1979. Wow. Uh, 78. It was actually December of 78. You must have a very uh, a, a very expert laundry uh, um, expert in your life to, to have not... Well, it, dist- sat unused from, it sat unused for many years. I uh, wore it for some years and then put it aside, and then he uncovered it some years later, and it washed up nicely and has held up nicely. Nice. Well, we used to sell because, Moog shirts as well, and uh, occasionally see people yeah. wearing those. But uh, yeah, you see them. You see people who are not music, who don't even necessarily know what it is. That that is become a T-shirt, like a, uh, you know, it's it's the you know it's a it's a kind of like almost standard issue T-shirt. I see it so many times. Um, you know, people who don't necessarily you know are not keyboard players or not, you know, it's it's kind of a fashion fashion statement. Yeah, which I and that's what I suspect a lot of these guys are trying to tap into, really. Well, um, it's a bit weird, though, isn't it? Because when you see people kind of wearing merchandise stuff, it does kind of think you know. Sometimes I've thought, if I work, 
for a washing machine cover. When I walk around with Zanussi written on it, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a bit old, isn't it? There's something very kind of peculiar about musicians. I used to love my Zildjian T-shirt. I kind of felt like I belonged. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, well, but, uh, yeah, uh, there is a, there is a, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. It definitely, we we did make a few Sonic T-shirts, but uh, as I think I was talking to non-Eric um, a little while back and, and, you know, we were saying, yeah, we thought about, it. we've done T-shirts and it's like, you know, you think you make, you have to make, you know, 50 or 100 or however many you make and then you sell 20. <laughs> you just think, and every time you sell one, you've got to go down to the post office and it, it's not. It's not. It's not a core business. I, I'm trying to find. A, I'm, there must be a way of doing it. Getting people, you know, online. Just upload a logo to it. I must get around to doing it, but I've just never found. 3D fun. print t-shirt. What's that? 3D print your own t-shirt. Yeah, you actually <laughs> weaves, you actually weaves it for you. That would be pretty cosmic. Yeah, that's anyway. yeah. That'd be pretty awesome. Um, okay, well, uh, in the chat room, actually, uh, it's gone past now, but uh, it was drawn to my attention that the T-shirt is not two and three dollars. That just looks like two and three dollars. It's actually S two and S three, and if you click on the actual link, the Korg T-shirt is uh, more. <laughs> it's it's fifteen nineteen. More. Still, yeah, still, still very good value. So uh, in normal T-shirt range type stuff. That's more that's your right. kind of. That's less of your fifty quid for a T-shirt yeah. range. But yeah. uh, my favourite music T-shirt I've got is a pastiche on Guitar Hero, and it's, it says Guitar Hero. Nice, <laughs> I like that. I don't think oh. I've got any yet. I've just got this this stash of uh, of Access virus shirts, which, uh, like I say, are just fantastically well built. Right, I think that's uh, probably it. There's no oh, gas. Sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to mention, just because I noticed something about Bitwig, just um, that that there is a scripting control surface scripting stuff that that comes as you know that and there's quite a bit of documentation about it so just just sorry just just jumping back a little bit because when i was talking about that it it looks you know like the scripting part of ableton it's not like as open so um i think that's is that a closed api for developers i'm not sure how it works but it, it looks like with uh, bitwig they've made that side of things quite open right so, yeah, I just thought I'd just tag that on because I was mentioning that about I think that the success of Bitwig will be in its integration with hardware and it looks like that they, they're obviously aware of that. And yeah, no, they definitely need to do that. But I mean, the, the, the yeah. thing about Bitwig is all underneath the hood, there's uh, everything is essentially, it's kind of like Reactor. You know, you can build all of these things. You can kind of, dis, all of the stuff that, that, that the devices and the instruments that they've made in a future version you'll be able to pull them all apart and kind of see so how they're like max for live kind of well kind of like that kind of react reactory kind of thing yeah right 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 that's interesting anyway well we wish them much luck um and you know it's always good to have more and competition and you know the thing is is as we've seen you know that it goes and swings around rats. like we said before steinberg for for a couple of years now have been really rocking it in terms of features so you know great and hopefully bitwig will will do the same and everybody can push it forward and we can see i mean I guess it's uh, it's just a question of um, got to sell them, got to shift those boxes. Right, so that's it for this week. I want to say thank you very much to everybody for joining us. Thanks for those in the chat room. I'm not sure why. Um, for those of you who tried to get in, I'm not sure why uh, there was an issue. Uh, I'll reboot the chat server because last week we had twice as many people on it, so maybe it's just a bit tired and uh, needs a reboot. So I do apologise if you've had to had to just only watch the video stream. And I've also got to remember to say, look, 
If you like, if you saw this and you watch, subscribe to YouTube. I'll put a button somewhere and you can click. Just subscribe to us on YouTube where we're trying to boost our subscriptions. It's, it's a good measure and it's always nice to know how many viewers you've got. And that's the only way you can really see it because the YouTube stats, you know, are based around that. Anyway, I, I won't go on. Please subscribe to us. Um, we do lots of good videos, this being one of many. So anyway, thank you very much. And also thank you to our sponsors, uh, Isotope isotope.com forward slash ally for your 10-day free fully functional demo do check that out and we'll say goodbye to our panel now so we'll start over there with dave spears dave spears over there g4 software makers of fine instruments if i think there's still time to enter your competition download a picture of uh, vintage synthesizer and color it in get your kid to do it and you can win something yeah brilliant thank you very much, Nick. That's you're more than welcome. And we also have Rich Hilton over there in. Um, well, it looks like is it still snowy or is it uh, melted now? Uh, it's not fully melted, but it's nearly melted. It's that's still slushy. really cold. It, oh. No, it's still really cold here. Ah, uh, that's a drag. unseasonably cold, as they say. Yeah, cold here. I guess who's going to stay in a chalet this weekend by the coast? That's, oh really? That'll be me. <laughs> anyway, cool. I'm sure. Yeah, it'll be nice. I'm sure. Uh, and also, I want to say thank you very much to uh, Robbie Bronneman over there in uh, Robot Studios with his wall of analog there, and uh, no doubt got to get straight back to work. Got a mix. He's got to ISDN over to some Japanese label, no doubt. Or US actually. Ah, well, here we go. I, I knew I was close. Anyway, thank you very much, Robbie. Always a pleasure to have you on the board. And don't forget Sushi Friday Music on Facebook for the next instalment. And, of course, we've got Gaz Williams over there, gazwilliams.me for all your Gaz. He's got a rocking blog and videos that he posts there. And um, we'll be having a Sonic Touch action sometime soon as well, so thank you. Yeah, thank you. And sorry, no, I didn't access the chat room, so I apologise for not being involved sorry about the yes well like i say we'll try and fix that for next time but in the meantime i'm going to say goodbye and thank you very much everybody for watching and i'm going to fade to black right now